within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Ah, we need a heart transplant, don't we? So when you talk to yourself, be sure you talk to yourself about the things of God. When someone says, just listen to what your heart's telling you, run away. It's going to tell you the wrong thing. They've given you advice that can lead you to, to become a spiritual wreck and ruin your life if you're foolish enough to, say, to, to follow it. Because your heart's going to say things like, ah, the church is dead. doesn't matter. These people don't like you anyway. God's unfair. You'd be better off staying at home or going somewhere else. Or that preacher, he's mean. You're really missing out. You know, about doing this Christian stuff. God doesn't care about you anyway. And if he did, these bad things wouldn't be happening to you in the first place. And also, just once won't hurt. A little bit doesn't matter. That's what your heart tells you. A lot of you seem to know exactly what I'm talking about. Seems we all suffer from the same condition, don't we? Heart problems. So if you listen to your heart, you'll find yourself where David found himself, out of God's will, out of the God's place for his life, and out of God's fellowship. You compromise when you listen to your heart. David made a wrong decision because he listened to his heart and it led him astray. So be very careful. Some of you are already listening to your hearts and going the wrong way. Be careful. Well, the second big point I want to, I want to talk about is, is the results of David's decision. What are the results? Well, let's have a look. Back to the Bible again. Chapter 27, verses 2 and 3. David and 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. So, he's now settling with the Philistines. The people in David's life are affected. Because of David's foolish decision, everyone who's David's life touched is affected as well. 600 of his men and their families. So we're talking about a big group of people that are affected by this one foolish decision. All of their wives, all of their children, everyone around David is brought down by his one foolish decision. They're all brought to a place of compromise and temptation because one man listened to his heart instead of listening to the Lord. Let me bring you to the New Testament for a moment. Romans 14 verse 7 says, None of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. That means that everything I do affects not only me, but all the people whom I touch. All the people who are in my circle of influence. And it's the same for you. Now just imagine that for the moment. How many people do we influence as a congregation of God's people? There must be thousands of people we touch as one group of God's people. You know, if a husband or a wife steps out of God's will, it affects their marriage. When one or both of the parents refuse to listen to God's standards, it has an impact on their children. If we step out of God's will, it affects our church. It affects wherever we've been working. It affects whatever group we belong to. There's a high price to pay if we touch others in a negative manner. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says, Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. These things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It'd be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Don't listen to your own heart. 
Even the Lord's warning us very strongly, be careful, because what you do affects other people. Your decisions affect others, not just you. Indeed, we see not only did, did the people in David's life that were affected, the pattern of David's life is affected as well. The whole way David was living is now altered. His decision makes him walk away from the Lord completely. Look at some of the things in the Bible that reveal the tragic time that David has. In verse 4, verse 4. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. So David now has a false sense of security. Ah, Saul's not chasing me anymore. I'm in Philistine territory. I'm safe here. He has a false sense of security. He thought he was safe. Verse 5. And David says to Achish, If I have found favour in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of your country towns. May I live there? Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? David is now saying, I will serve you, my enemy king. I will serve you instead. So he's, he's running away to, the, to run with the wrong crowd. He literally aligns himself with the enemy. Then David does things that he never thought, you know, that, that he never should have done before. He murders people. He goes into territory, he murders people. He kills every man and woman and child so no one can tell what he was up to. He's just committing murder now. He submits himself to the enemy of God. The whole fabric of his life is altered by the decision he made. He stays in that place for 16 months and I'm sure he stayed there longer than he intended. He thought, I'll just disappear here for a bit until the, the furor just dies down and then I can come back home again. It's interesting to note, too, that there are no psalms attributed to David during this period of his life. Now, there are psalms attributed to him when he's hiding in a cave and all that sort of stuff, but this period of life, the singer of Israel has lost his voice. There's no glory to God in all of this. When we make a fatal decision to walk away from the Lord, we walk away from that place of blessing, and our life is affected in a negative way. And like the prodigal, you know, we'll live with a false sense of security. The prodigal son, he had a false sense of security until he ran out of money. Uh-uh. You know, if we walk away from God, we'll find ourselves doing things that we never thought we'd do before. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. Isn't that true? And we find that our entire lifestyle has changed. We look around and we find that months, even years, have gone by. And we languish in a far country like the prodigal son. And we find that our song departs from us. The joy of life goes. When you turn away from God, your joy leaves you. You cannot walk away from God and go off into sin and not be affected. In fact, if you're not affected, you probably weren't the Lord's in the first place. The peace of David's life was affected too. Let's move to chapter 29. Let me read that for you. The Philistines gathered all their forces in Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. So what's happened now is Israel's going to war against the Philistines. David is with the Philistines. As the Philistine rulers marched with their, with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines asked, hey, hang on a sec, what about these Hebrews that are out the back here? We're about to fight the Hebrews, and we've got a bunch of Hebrews over there. This doesn't sound tactically good. Achish replied, is this not David, 
who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel. He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, Send the man back, that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favour than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. They knew who he was and what he was up to. So Achish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable. And I would be pleased to have you serve with me in my army. From the day you came to me until now, I have not found fault in you. But the rulers don't approve of you. Turn back and go in peace. Do nothing to displease the Philistine rulers. But what have I done, asked David? And what have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of the Lord, my, of the, Lord the king? Achish answered, I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said, he must not go up with us into battle. Now get up early, along with your master's servants who have come with you, and leave in the morning as soon as it's light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. What's going on here in David's life? Well, someone's once said that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That's not a bad summary of sin. We're seeing that truth now fleshed out in David's life, because in this passage, David has fallen about as far as a man can fall. He's out of God's will. He's off God's path. He's actively working with the enemy against the people of God. But thankfully, David was not having a good time in doing that. Because his sin has affected the life, his life, the people's life around him, the pattern of his life, his peace was gone. David's lost his identity. That's what's happened here. He unites himself with the Philistines to go into battle with his own people, Israel. But even the Philistines don't want him around. He's become an offence to them as well. He literally is a man without a country. He's got no place to call home at all now. And it's amazing as you read this passage that, that David reveals the depth to which he's fallen. The future king of Israel is literally groveling at a pagan king's feet and saying, let me fight with you against my people. This is not good. And David is declared by Achish to be a faithful servant. So he's really one, one, you know, this man's heart in one way. Well, David reaps the harvest of his wickedness. Let me read some more verses. Chapter 30. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. Now, now Ziklag is the, is the town that David has for himself and his men, right? And all, his, all the families are there. Remember, David's been attacking the Amalekites and killing them left, right and centre. Now they're attacking back. They attacked Ziglag and burned it. And they'd taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been taken captive had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. 
So David is now reaping the harvest of his own wickedness that he's sown. He loses far more than he can ever imagine. The Amalekites are now retaliating. You've been killing our people. We're going to come and get yours. But notice the honor of the Amalekites. David killed everyone he could. There were no witnesses left alive. The Amalekites took the people captive. They showed more compassion than he did. This is a foolish decision, though. The city's burned to the ground. David reached the bottom. His men even say, well, we're going to stone him. It's his fault. I would too. Say, no, hang on, you've led me up the garden path, mate. Look what you've done to me and my family. You're in trouble. That's, this, 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 in this Bible picture here, we see a frightening portrait of, of the power and the potential of sin in our lives. We might walk away from the Lord and go our own way, but we can't do it without paying a terribly high price. What will it cost you to walk away from God? Is it worth your spouse? Is it worth your children? Is it worth your ministry that you might have had? Is it worth your good name? Is it worth your power with God? Is it worth your health? Is it worth your life? Let's not think for one minute that we can walk away from God and not have a consequence. There will be a price to pay. The scripture is clear. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, You may be sure that your sin will find you out. You cannot get away from it. It will find you out. It will be exposed. Now or another day. So before we make a foolish decision and walk away from the Lord, consider the price we're going to have to pay. So far, it's a bad news story, isn't it? But I thank God that this story does not end just here. We're going to witness David's recovery now. Look at chapter 30 for, for a moment. Verses uh, 6 to 8 will do. David's men are greatly distressed. They're talking of stoning him. Each one has a bitter spirit because of his sons and daughters. But, there's that word but again. David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, Amalek, Ahimelech, whatever he was, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered, and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So what's going on here? David now comes to his senses. He turns back to God again. He repents before God. He looks back to heaven and again he says, I need to have God's help. What does God want me to do? So this one foolish conversation from his own, in his own heart is now followed by a foolish decision. He gets into all sorts of trouble, but he turns away from that and he turns back to God. That's what repentance is. It's turning away and turning back to God again. And David now relies upon the Lord. He said, well, well you know, bring me the priest. Bring me the ephod. What does God want me to do? Finally, he's asking the right questions again. Are you now relying completely upon God? David calls upon the Lord in prayer. He seeks God's will and God's help. And David is back in the place where he can rely on the Lord again. So he's returned to God. And the interesting thing is, after he gets this response, God says, yes, you're going to be successful. In verse 9 of chapter 30, David and 600 men with him came to Besor, the Besor Ravine where some stayed behind, etc., etc. They find a bloke who's going to lead them in to attack the Amalekites. And David goes and he attacks them. He retrieves all of the goods and chattels and all of the people that were taken away. 
He has a complete victory against the Amalekites. How good is that? David has now returned to the Lord. He's back in God's will. He's walking God's path again. He's been fully restored. Now, so far we've learned what not to do. This is what we should do when we walk off the path. David now teaches what we're supposed to do. The first thing is getting right with God again. That's what that whole story about repentance is about. We need to get right before the God. We need to deal honestly with our sin. We need to say, God, I've stepped out of your will. I'm sorry for that. Tell him, because he already knows anyway. And when, when our sin is confessed and handled God's way, he's going to forgive our sin and restore us. What does it say in the New Testament? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How good is that? The great soap bar verse of the Bible. That's how you get cleansed of your sin. You confess it to God and he makes you right again. You hear what the word of God's saying to you? If you've wandered away from God, you can come back home today. You can come back home right now. And he will accept you back again. And notice though, incredibly, the Lord's response to the repentance of David. David's been out of God's will for 16 months. And he falls down before, the God, before God and deals with his sin. Now does God say, I'm sorry David, you've crossed the line. I found someone new to be the king. He doesn't say that. Does he say, oh, look, three months probation, mate? No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'll forgive you, but things can never be the same between us again. No, he doesn't say that either. God does none of these things. The Lord instantly forgives, restores, and communicates with David. God's answer is swift, it's sure, it's accurate. Isn't that an incredible blessing? Brothers and sisters, that's an incredible blessing. There will be an earthly price to pay for sins we commit. God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows, but when God forgives, he forgives immediately, completely, eternally. Some of you might need that grace today. Some of you, you might say, yeah, actually you're talking about me again, Martin. I wish you'd stop that. Sorry, it's God's word. See, regardless of how smart we may be, regardless of how long we've been saved, regardless of how high we may, may climb on the spiritual ladder, we are still capable of making foolish decisions. Some of you might be in the process of making a foolish decision today. Stop for a moment. If you've been listening to your heart, your heart is going to tell you lies. Start listening to God. Get back to Him. Repent of the foolish decisions you've made. Come back to God. The consequences much left to play out in our lives. Now it's amazing how we make a dumb decision today and for the rest of our life it affects us. That's true, isn't it? It does that. But God can forgive us in a moment and we can be restored to him in a moment and we can get back on the path in a moment and be useful for him, for him again. I want to encourage you, if you, if you understood a little bit of this message today, if you have the courage to come into the presence of God, get your needs taken care of now. Come before him in prayer. He knows anyway. You can't hide from him. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows about your spiritual condition. He knows about the decisions you've been making. But he will restore you in a moment. Listen to God's voice, not your voice. And do what he says to do, not what you think is right in your own heart. That's the best advice I can give you today. I invite you to join me as we pray.